In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Dear family and brothers and sisters of our dearly departed Joe, both by blood and by the blood of Jesus, grace and peace are yours through that same Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. By all accounts, Joseph Eugene was a good man. He served his nation in the Pacific Theater in one of history's darkest hours. He was a hard worker, even taking time to go into his office uh, in this last year or so. Now, perhaps I'm a bit biased, but I count among his greatest accomplishments those that happened on the home front. He was a husband, a father, a brother, a brother-in-law, a grandfather, and a great-grandfather. He kind of reminds me of another Joseph that I read about recently in the scriptures. The Joseph from Genesis, the son of Jacob, the son of Israel. When Moses writes about Joseph, he says this, Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. That Joseph saw his great-great-grandchildren. Now, our Joe only saw his great-grandchildren, but I believe they brought him just as much joy as the biblical Josephs did. They are the fruit of a good life, but it is not based on a man's goodness that he gains heaven when he closes his eyes in this life. So then, on what should we base our assurance today if it is not on Joe's goodness for the eternal state of his soul? Well, so many of the world's religions are geared in kind of one way. They offer a God that rewards based on performance. And so the young man in the Gospels runs up to Jesus and asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is a terribly oppressive way to live a life before God. Not only does the devil want to pick at you and say, well, how do you know that you've done enough for God? How do you know that you've done enough to make up for the sins that you've committed? Is your balance sheet straight? And if that's not enough to rattle your confidence, Jesus tells us exactly how good we have to be to inherit eternal life. He says you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Perfection is a pretty high standard. God shows us what perfection is in the Ten Commandments that tell us that we should not just refrain from taking another's life with our hands, but it even demands perfection in the attitudes of our hearts. Joe was a good man, but was he perfect? Dear friends in Christ, on his own, Joe was not a perfect man. Now, obviously, I didn't know him near as well as probably all of you knew him. But I know what the scriptures say of him. 
and of all of us. Jesus says that evil comes out of the human heart. St. Paul tells us that no one is righteous or seeks after God. In short, nobody meets the perfect standard that God has set to gain eternal life. But the righteousness of God, the righteousness that God requires of us, the perfection that God requires has been made manifest. It has been shown to us apart from the law. The righteousness of God, that which makes us perfect in the sight of God and grabs hold of eternal life and will not let it go, is made available by faith in Christ. St. Paul writes in his third letter, or in his third chapter to the letter to the Romans, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Ephesians 2. Joe's standing before God is not dependent on his goodness. Your standing before God is not dependent on your own goodness. For your standing before God, your righteousness before God, comes to you from the outside. It is not within, it comes to you, it is given to you as a gift by the grace of God, by God's smile upon you in Jesus Christ. This means, dear friends, that we do not need to spend today weighing the good in Joe's life against the bad. Instead, we are given a much greater and much more certain gift. It is a gift given to us today that we get to measure the goodness of Christ with Joe's goodness. Christ has saved Joe by his grace. Joe was baptized into the saving death of Jesus. Joe heard the words of Jesus, the words of eternal life, for over a century. A hundred years of hearing the word of God. He heard Jesus say to Mary and Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me shall never die. And whoever lives and believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. This isn't some sort of weird religious doublespeak. Jesus was saying to Mary, to Martha, to Joe, to you, to me, that all of our sins are forgiven for his sake because he has lived a perfect life in our place. Christ has died the death that we deserve. He died our death for us, and he died death's Joe for him, death, Joe's death for him. But even more so, Christ's resurrection is our resurrection. Christ's resurrection is Joe's resurrection. People loved by God, as just as Joe could not muster enough goodness in himself to be perfect before God, moving Christ to come and share his goodness with Joe, so also Joe cannot today, unfortunately, sit up and begin speaking to us today. And so Christ has come and he has been raised from the dead in order that Joe would also be raised from the dead on the last day, the day that Jesus comes to give eternal life to you, to Joe, and to all believers in Christ. And it is in his resurrection that Christ begins to usher in 
the new creation. This new creation will not, will, will, will not be marked by things like blindness or age or illness. It will be marked by a life that does not end. Isaiah, looking forward through time to the resurrection of Jesus, said, No more shall there be an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days, for the young man shall die a hundred years old. How appropriate is that line for us, for Joe, today? No more shall infants die. No, no more shall an old man not fill out his days. A young man, he says, will die a hundred years old. Now, Isaiah was doing the best that he could with his limited human understanding of what eternity was to describe something that he did not know by sight and something that we cannot yet comprehend. To us, Joe's century of life is a long time. But nothing is worth comparing to the eternal life, the life that has no end at all. That is what Christ gave to Joe in his baptism. And it is in that hope that we bury Joe today. All of this is what Christ offered and gave to Joe in his crucifixion, in his death, and in his resurrection. And so today, we mourn. And that's okay. Death is our enemy. It is not a friend. Don't let anyone ever tell you that. But dearly beloved, Christ has destroyed the power of death forever. By his death, he has swallowed up death forever. This young man who lies here before us will fill out his eternal days in the Lord's house because Christ who has shed his blood and died, has come to share his goodness and his life with Joe and to guarantee his resurrection from the dead by his own rising from the dead. And so we grieve, but we grieve in the hope of Christ. And Christ does not put us to shame. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.